people are right. social animals. They have choice. So people analytics is not like measurement on a Grand Prix car. It is, it's the social science, it's the psychology bet. So it's directional, it's pattern based, it's, uh, you know, likelihoods and probabilities. It's not if you do X, you will get Y. Anybody who comes into people analytics right. with a, a sort of prescriptive binary mindset is going to fail. Um, whilst behavior of a population may be true, that does not mean an individual will match that. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by Jay Ventures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley, in partnership with Lomitech, and sponsored by Homeward Ventures, Hippo Insurance, Opwest, Hillel at Stanford, Leap, and Birthright Excel. Hello and welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. We're going to be talking about people today and people analytics. Meet Ian Cook, Vice President of People Analytics at Vizier Inc. Ian Cook is recognized for his leadership and insight in the era of workforce analytics and planning. Ian is currently the Vice President of People Analytics at Vizier, where he helps customers drive organizational change through linking workforce analysis to business outcomes. He is responsible for the workforce domain expertise within the Vizier solutions. Prior to joining Vizier, Ian built Canada's leading source of HR benchmarking data. His knowledge and expertise come from 10 plus years of consulting with global companies, and he holds an MA from Edinburgh University in the UK and an MBA from Lancaster University also in the UK. Ian Cook, so great to have you here on 20 Minute Leaders. How are you? I am very well, thank you, Michael. How's yourself? Good. Good morning to you from Vancouver. Good afternoon to me from Tel Aviv. Uh, I, I'm excited to talk about you know human resources, people analytics. What does that even mean to be vice president of people analytics? You know, within Vizier, talking about your own journey, your own fascination with HR, and you know, obviously uh, post COVID, and you know, now that we're rehabilitating the workforce and what's happening, it's a uh, it's more relevant than ever to be speaking about this topic. And so. We'll dive into that in, a, in just a bit, but I'd love to spend a little bit of time getting to know you better. Tell me a little bit about your journey and specifically your fascination with human resources. So my fascination with human resources started right back when I was in my teenage years, um, doing expeditions and, and working with teams and, and identifying that some teams really knock it out of the park in terms of what they can do and how fast and how easy it is. And other teams just suck. And so I, I was always fascinated by how do you get a group of people together to make something great? And and the, really, there's there's so many layers to that. It's a really fascinating problem. So it, it, it's one of, you know, human resources is a piece of it. Organizational development is a piece of it. Um, so I was always fascinated with the people side of business. And that sort of leads you into, um, you know, working in the HR space. So I kind of had that fascination, didn't really understand what it meant, but I just chased it my career. And here I am uh, today in the people analytics space. So so what does a career in the human resources space look like? What are the different options and, and which one did you opt into? So there's a number of streams. Um, there's a, a fairly traditional stream through what's called a generalist, where you're, you're in the business in a consulting mode and you're helping people navigate policy. Um, there's centers of excellence where you're designing leadership programs, designing talent management programs, recruiting, and then there's leadership roles. There's also a track which is called organizational development or organizational effectiveness, which is really about 
that's more the track that I followed, which is like, how do you help people give of their best? How do you design, understand talent? How do you, do you shape the organization to be this um, performance-oriented group? I think of it, I'm, I am Scottish, but I live in Canada. A hockey team is, is a huge thing. And so I think of it about how do you put the best team on the ice at the right price? That Amazing. hockey has a cost cap. So it's a good way to think about a business. You want to spend as little as possible for as much output as possible. So vice president of people analytics at VZR. What, what does that even mean? What does that even mean? Exactly. What, what, what does, does that job mean? Title people mean analytics. <laughs> <laughs> what does a job title mean? Anyway, what I do daily, Michael, is I, I am focused on trying to understand the, the, the business challenges that, that our, our organizations have that are kind of clear and present how the application of data can bring answers to those questions, um, and then how that would drive our product strategy, how that would drive some of our marketing, and then uh, evangelizing in the market, helping people understand. There's still, exactly as you highlight this, there's still this huge gap between, oh, people are like, oh, we, we, we count the number of performance management reviews that have happened. No, that's not what we're doing. What we're doing is understanding what is causing people to leave our business or what is causing us to miss you know, production targets related to people. And we're using that to inform the business to make a better decision. You know, looking at simple things like um, women leaving a particular shift because it doesn't match their work expectations or doesn't match their needs for work. So rather than saying, well, we'll just people it with men, let's change the shift patterns and let's have that conversation with the data, with the business and say, we're losing the capacity to run this shift because of how we've chosen to make our work structures. If we change our work structures, we'll be back to productive best again. We just have so to I, think I'd about love that to, change. You know, either take this example or, or, or choose a different word, whichever you prefer, but, but dive deeper into, you know, what does it mean to, to do people analytics and to leverage this data, leverage these, you know, critical thinking habits to then go and optimize for, for a better workforce habit, better experience for the employees, which at the end, you know, amount to better, uh, you know, better performance for the whole company. How yeah. does that process from your sit seat look? But also, how does that process for the rest of the people look within your organization? Are they aware of what you do? Are they aware of your function? Are, do they, are they cooperative? Are they, you know, more hesitant? How does it work? Yeah, so Vizier's whole business is focused on on people analytics and helping the, the um, organizations in the market do it. So if I if I use the example of some of our clients, how this yes. works is they they go into the business as a consultant and say, "Where are you running into issues? Where have you got friction?" Uh, and specifically related to people, then they walk that back and say, "Well, what data do we have?" You know, HR has been digitizing like marketing, like sales in the past. It's been digitizing. So there's this exhaust set of how do people feel about work? How much work have they done? When are they coming to work? Right. So the analytics group looks at that data set and says, what patterns can we find that will help us change things? So again, another client that we work with, they're looking at, um, they're starting to look at uh, calendar data. Uh, and then pinging people saying, you know, you haven't got any focus time blocks in here. You're, you're scheduling meetings so close together that your your ability to do productive work is being hindered. And and it's a gentle nudge. It's not like, you know, thou shalt, but it's that kind of how do we help people give of their best? What data do we have? What questions do we answer? And so we're in the technology business of building an application that, that helps our customers do that so they can, uh, you know, put the right pieces in front of the right people. Right. And so 
how often is it that you know the, that you have the the CEOs or the leadership teams coming in? And you know, it sounds to me that that many many cases they're coming in with a problem that they're feeling that there is a problem, and then going and backtracking and fixing it. So, how many of these are sort of preventable from the get go? And what does this mean for you know me as a young entrepreneur or for some of my friends that are young entrepreneurs? What do we need to do from the get go to sort of be on top of these things and not reach a point where we need to go and do crisis management on something? No, great question. Um, and this totally tracks the evolution of people. It used to be called HR metrics when I first started 20 years ago, and then it became um, HR analytics, and then it became people analytics. And the reason for that journey is this notion of instead of measuring things once they're done, lots of people develop policy in, in a box and as a thought experiment. So as you're a young entrepreneur, you're thinking like, how is my culture? How is we going to shape the experience of work so that people do their best, it's actually giving it time and intent and l- running, potentially running experiments, potentially looking at the, the the research or looking at your own numbers to say, this is working for us, this isn't. So that the shift in people analytics has been from kind of like accounting in the past where here's how much money we na- made to what would be an FP&A group, which would be like, here's how we're going to make more money. So it's, it, it's actually injecting the data at the front end um, and if you're start a business um you don't always have the data but you can look at what others are doing you can look at what their data is saying what the labor market is telling you to say hey this is this would work this wouldn't work so it's being not it's being intentional about your people strategy from the get-go um, and building it out as a as an intentional piece of how your business works as opposed to just letting it fall into place because we're just excited and we think it's cool and, and off we go um that some of that will work and some of that won't work and then you run into trouble where you have to retroactively adjust things further down the line as you scale that can cause a lot of friction now is is there a line of tension so a lot of it's know, about being the, intentional is, is there a line of tension between this concept of you know, analytics and people. And at the end, you know, analytics about, you know, some behavior and then amending that behavior based on the analytics and then that obviously affecting the people. Is this, in, is this even a line of thought or or are we past it's, that point and we're accepting that it's all data-driven? No, it's totally a line of thought. And it's more a case of coming with the right lens to people analytics. Like people are right. social animals, they have choice. So people analytics is not like measurement on a Grand Prix car. It is. It's the social science. It's the psychology backed. So it's directional. It's pattern based. It's uh, you know likelihoods and probabilities. It's not if you do X, you will get Y. Anybody who comes into people analytics right. with a, a sort of prescriptive binary mindset is going to fail. Um, whilst behavior of a population may be true, that does not mean an individual will match that. Um, so you you have to first of all have a strong ethical component. We talk a lot about ethics. What is okay to use data for? What's not okay? We have a really strong stance on that. So you have to start with that baseline, and then it's about you know how are we using this data, not just for the business perspective against the people, but with the business with the people. So right. it's actually looking at how do we make things better. And this is the right. stories I like. We we have countless stories of. Um, changes in policy that have led to opportunity for people of color, led to opportunity for women. Well, and I, I love case studies. So, <laughs> so share with I mean, me, share with me one, one, one or two of those stories. Quick story, you know, 
classic, classic story for a business. There's a business line that is not producing the revenue. So finance come along and say, we've got to cut people. You know, HR, please get ready to hand out the the what we call a pink slip. It's the termination slip. You're, you're no longer employed. People right. analytics team comes in and says, oh, no, stop the bus. Huge reputational <laughs> risk in terminating people. That, that goes through the community. That damages our hiring. That does not set our brand up well. And we, our brand is our community. Let right. us do some numbers. So they look at the numbers. They look at retirement rates. They look at natural exit rates. They look at how people are moving out of business anyway. They say, we can get to your number two weeks later if we just let it happen naturally. CEO says, let's just let it happen naturally. So they don't they don't terminate anybody. They don't do any of that process of sitting down and having that uncomfortable conversation of, sorry, you're no longer employed. They just get to their cost bar as finance required through uh, the natural process of the business. Finance can't see that. They can't make that decision. The people on next team is the balance. It's the really crucial second piece of the puzzle that means those things can happen. So I love that story because it's win for the business. You know, we shouldn't underestimate the reputational damage that comes. Um, so who knows how much revenue they would have lost, how many customers. Like, you fired my friend. I'm taking all my banking away right. from you. Um, Definitely. For, and there's a, a whole bunch of other roll-ons. You get contagion. When you let people go, other people fear for their jobs, they will also leave. So you will always overshoot. So there's a whole, again, it's a really rich, simple story because most people run the decision on the finance. You need to run in the decision on the finance and the people. It's never one or the other. So that's a key piece. Definitely. Well, I'd, I'd love to. There's an, there's another case study that I'd love to to hear from, but and then I'd like to leave some time to ask you a little bit more about yourself. But but please do share another one. So, so this this is um, it, you know, again pertinent in the uh, diversity space. That um, this is again CEO driven. There's been changes in the regulations in the US through the SEC, where publicly traded companies need to now make commentary about their human capital. And so diversity is a key part of that. Um, buying behavior has changed such that your stance on social justice will actually determine whether people buy you or not. So many CEOs are making you know, forward-looking statements about what their numbers are going to be. We've had several analytics team who've then been kind of key part of that conversation saying, well, this is our representation now, but this is how it changes based on mobility, based on movement up through the business. What that has led to is a recognition by the organization of the need to create pathways to growth. And it's, a, mm -hmm. it's an economic um, opportunity uh, factor. So those organizations have said, well, we're, we're going to hit these numbers. That means we need to um, enable everybody to have access to learning, enable more people to have access to supervisory roles, You know, actually build diversity up through the business. Um, so it's still merit-based, but, but we pushing the opportunity to everybody so that we build diversity organically in the business. Again, if you read anything, there was a great article by McKinsey just yesterday around, you know, the the secret of our diversity is better quality jobs was the title. And this research done by this analytics team basically was, you know, convincing the CEO of it, which then brings the budget, which then brings change. So it fundamentally alters how the business performs uh, and it does the right things by the people in the community. So it, it's, it is a win-win. It's the kind of world where we're now working. I believe we're working in where, um, 
talking about the labor market, you know, employees have a lot of choice right now. So how you treat them matters. Uh, and those kinds of right. stories are go a long way to bringing in, you know, good talent. Right. Now, as you're thinking through these stories and as you're reflecting on, you know, where we are today, what, where, where is people in the lakes headed? Where's HR tech and specifically, you know, looking at data-driven decision-making for the workforce, where, where are yeah. we heading with this? Do, do we've, we've got a, a research-based model around value, the really simple inputs, the more different pieces of information you can integrate, the more people who can consume it, the better. It's, it's kind of that simple. What we're seeing with the shift to hybrid work, um, which we think is going to persist in, in a, a large number of places where it can, is managers don't have that tooling. Like I think mm -hmm. about our marketing team, you know, the tracking clicks, the tracking click throughs, the, the, the amount they're tracking that they have to understand and adjust how their work works. Managers don't have that tool set around look, looking after and working with their people. So we've seen it in some of our early adopter, early driver customers where the, the, the data starts to flow out to a people manager, not lots and lots of kind of activity tracking, but here's the things that you need to know in order to take action, to keep the right employee, to make sure promotions are done fairly, to make sure that you assemble a team that's actually going to get that piece of work done. So it's not, again, there's been this whole manager enablement thing, mostly that was making it easy to sign off on time off. Like that's the HR transactional systems. You know, we, we made it look good to say, yes, I approve time off. That's not, that's admin. That's not really relevant. This next wave will be effectiveness. It's like, you know, you're, you lost a key player. That means the experience in your team is, is below what you need. You're going to have to find a, a good level replacement in order to keep this team productive. That's likely an internal transfer because the ramp time of a new person is too slow. And so it's that kind of insight in the manager's hands so that they're, they're, you know, always focused on what do I have to get done, but it's helping them understand how that people piece can put friction in that work or accelerate that work. We see the very starting edges of that. We know there's a huge amount of opportunity, huge amount of questions to answer in there. Um, we're engaged with our customers and helping them get there and, and, and go further. I love it. I love it. Ian, I'd love to take you back a little bit to, you know, back, back to you and talk to me a little bit about your childhood and, and you know, upbringing, what really fascinates you? What really sparks your curiosity, you know, before you know that you're going to go into human resources? Uh, um, I was school-wise, I had a, a mixed bag. I, I liked physics and I liked English. <laughs> so I have a, I had a math brain wow. and a communication brain. It was a bizarre combination. Um, and then, you know, I, and I, I didn't really know that... Um, the the world of organizational effectiveness existed so i kind of fell into that through um through working with teams and working in groups and working in expeditions and stuff like that so that was that fascination and and i love bicycles i um i have right from the get go a bicycle was this freedom machine for me and uh, that that endures now uh with a, a shed full of them in my current life so <laughs> I love it. If, and if you had to look today and, you know, where do you draw your inspiration from, you know, in the day-to-day -day life, where, where is it coming from? So a lot of the inspiration is actually coming from the, the community that I'm part of. There, there are numerous people that I engage with on a daily basis, see the, 
world of work, the way I see it, that it's a balance between people and business. And those two things are not mutually exclusive. It's not a case of win-loss. It's a case of win-win. Um, and they're working hard every day to help explain that, communicate that, build that, build the practices around it. So the, the again, really my inspiration comes from being part of that community uh, of people who are making a human-centered business. Um, and, and you hear the Scottish accent, like I'm, I'm not in any way, shape or form, let's give up on making money. I, I, I think that's an absolutely essential piece, but there's there are better ways to do it than at the expense of others. So it's that kind of balance point. Um, and so, yeah, I draw that inspiration from those folks. And if you had to choose three words or a few words that you would use to describe yourself, what no, would those so be? I, I have those three words, um, insight, understanding, and joy. Like it was a early phase in my career where I didn't like what I was doing. I didn't like what my manager was. And, uh, you know, I had those, um, dark moments in it that come to any career. So I had to find the three words that made me want to go to work. Um, and so mm -hmm. they are insight, understanding, and joy. Ian, thank you very, very much. This was so great. Thank you for sharing, uh, you know, your insights and your time with me. I really appreciate it. And, uh, and I'm really, really excited to share this with, with the world and think more critically about human resources and data-driven decisions. Uh, and I'm just very thankful that you were here. So thank you very, very much and stay safe and stay healthy. Yeah, thanks, Michael. It's been, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you very much.